Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful to be together today and worship you, and we're so thankful for Jesus. As we have been focusing on him for the last uh, three weeks in our lessons, uh, Brian talking about him being a trailblazer, um, Steve last week talking about him being a risk taker, and uh, today me talking about him being a fighter. And uh, God, I really pray that as we get in your word today, that uh, everybody would pay attention to your word. Father, I pray that your word would not come back void or empty, but that it would cause and accomplish the purposes in every human heart in this room that you so desire. And Father, I pray that uh, we would be a group of fighters, that we would not just be the Ned Flanders church people that uh, just show up, sit, stand, kneel, do the, you know, the different things, but we're not, our hearts are not in the fight. Father, ignite our hearts today. Help us be enthusiastic, wildly enthusiastic. Set the fire ablaze within us, Father. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, today I'm talking about Jesus being a fighter. And I'm so thankful for my fighting partners and Steve Marici. You know, Steve's, I'm a big guy, but Steve's a little bigger than me. Hey, I'm the tallest in my family. Ten people, baby. Um, <clears throat> and I'm tallest in my family that, you know, my nuclear family as well. So I got some height amongst Italians. I thought it was funny. But anyway, but I'm grateful for my uh, fighting partner, Steve. Steve would be a great guy to have in, in a foxhole or in an empty alley that has, suddenly has people in it. Or uh, if you tick somebody off and they look at you like they want to start something, you just go, Steve, you know, you just look over at Steve. I'm so thankful for my fighting partner, Brian Craig, who's uh, at the uh, Long Beach service who just moved to the afternoon. Uh, Brian and I have been together here in the south, or what it was the south, the whole time. <coughs> Excuse me, almost uh, 11, 12 years. And I've really become a best friend and to, our friend, to, uh, to me and our family. really thank my fighting partner, Henry. Henry and I, uh, for our discipling time, we started hiking together the last six, eight weeks, and uh, I call it Hikes with Henry, and uh, last week I said, Henry, even though it's raining, we are going to hike, what do you think? If, you know, because it's supposed to rain on Friday, and I said, he goes, Marco, let's do it, sent me a text, we're vigorous hikers, and uh, so off we went, uh, Henry had a poncho, I did not, so I had to drive home to get my poncho, uh, but we were out in the just soaking rain, uh, we started a club while we were out there called the Adventurers. Uh, only two members allowed. When it was established, Henry said it was started with two and it closed with two. You know, but we just were uh, just such great fighting partners. Thank you, Henry, for being such an encouragement, inspiration, and a stalwart pillar in my life. Uh, really grateful for the uh, um, shepherds in training, the brothers that are training to be elders. Mark Shump is a fighting partner with me in the singles. And uh, just such a great brother, all heart, really thankful for him, really feel blessed, Mark, having you uh, in the singles. And I'm grateful for Andy, who's uh, the, you're training to be an elder here with the family ministry. I uh, really feel like I'm getting closer to Andy more and more and really trust him with all my heart. Love when he speaks uh, privately or, you know, in smaller groups, but also publicly. So, so gifted and uh, so wise and such a great brother, such great fighting partners in the, in the leadership here in the church. You know... Um, when you think of being a fighter, uh, moms, we don't like our boys fighting. But we would not want them to be wimpy. There's your 21-year-old, 18-year-old, 30-year-old boy 
that's now a man that has no direction, will stand nobody down, has no opinion, I don't think so. That would not be very appealing. And uh, that would be a person that would be taken advantage of. We want our boys to have a fight. I don't have any boys, so I'm just relating with you. But we are all one family, so I have a lot of boys. Um, my girls are tough, though. But anyway, we want them to be tough. We want them to stand for something. We want them to have conviction and resolve and be a man's man. Not, hey, if somebody hits you, you just know what to do. You hit them back and then... That's not, no, we're not enforcing that and, and embracing that, but we want them to have a fight. Right, moms? All right. That was a little, little, little tepid right there. Um, you know, everyone has a cause. And we need to make sure that we pick the right cause. Sometimes you hear certain people's causes, and you can get a little self-righteous, like, well, what's that all about? Why are you getting all excited about that? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying... Be self-righteous about your cause over somebody else's cause. Because people are passionate about what's important to them. I'm just saying, out of all the time we have on this earth, and the energy we have, we can only have so many causes, and we can only really have one cause that we can pour all our energy into. And Jesus was a fighter. Whether you like it or not, whether the media ever portrays him as tough or not, Jesus was a fighter. And he didn't pick fights just to say, I'm better than you, baby. That wasn't how he was. When you read through the Gospels, you see a man to find that was a fighter. He fought the religious establishment that Steve talked about last week. He, talked, he fought for the rights of the overlooked. He fought for the truth, even if no one else stood for it. He fought for the weak to where people that were battered down by this world and that were the scourge of society, they felt, hey, Jesus cares about me. And so they had the confidence to come and let Jesus, you know, they had the confidence to approach Jesus. Jesus, when he fought to get people's attention, I've read, uh, you know, the Gospel of John, as many of you had many, many, many times. We always ask people, hey, read the Gospel of John. If you don't know where to start, just read the Gospel of John. And one of the things people say right away is, he kind of repeats himself over and over and over again. I say, yeah, that's because people don't listen over and over and over again. And he's fighting to get people's attention. And he's patient and he's long-suffering that he wants people to know the truth. Jesus fought corruption. He hated hypocrisy. Jesus fought for God's honor. Jesus fought for people to know God. There was a story in the Bible where Jesus was having wild success in a city and he was out early in the morning praying. You ever have your roommate or your spouse get up before you early praying and you wake up and you're like, where are they? And they're out praying and you feel really guilty. Like, oh man, jeez. I'm late, you know, that's kind of what happened. And they said, Jesus, come on, everybody's looking for you. You're accepted here. One of the gospels says they wanted to make him king. He was popular. Jesus goes, no, no, no. Let's go to the other villages now and preach there also. For that is why I have come. Jesus was mission-minded. He wanted people to have a relationship with God. He wanted people to know God. Jesus fought to spread love for the poor. All through the gospels, you see him loving the poor. Jesus fought... For the twelve to become leaders to change the world. He fought for them. Jesus was never fighting for his rights. Jesus was never fighting for people to respect him. 
Jesus was never fighting to be treated fearly or to be understood. Or He never fought because He was hurt. You hurt me. His fight was completely, 100%, unadulterated, selfless. And He didn't fight with these. Or in the MMA, this and this and everything else. And this. That's not how He fought. He fought with love. I mean, His love was so powerful, it either drew you in like, a, like the tractor beam, like a magnet, or it repelled you. Because there was nothing about His love that you go, eh, I don't know. It was powerful. Jesus fought for love. Jesus fought with love. Jesus wanted to show love. It was His most strongest, powerful weapon. What are you fighting for today? You ever looked in someone's eyes that have, has no fight? Uh, I like to go to Trader Joe's. Many of you like to go to Trader Joe's. I'm a very observant person. I kind of notice a lot, all the time. All kinds of things, to a fault. I can see that chive in your tooth. I can't, no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, one of the things I notice at Trader Joe's that always makes me sad is seeing elderly people there leaving with no food but cases of two-buck chuck. And I know it's not all for parties. Do you understand what I'm saying? One, two, three, four, whatever cases of two-buck chuck, which is the wine that's two dollars, just to go home, watch rerun or whatever, and just, not a cause. And I'm not judging anybody. Maybe somebody's having a party and great, and they're, they forgot the wine, but nothing else. I'm just saying, it makes me feel sad going, wow, is that the existence? You get to a point where you don't have to work anymore, hopefully, and you just sit in front of a TV and drink cheap wine over and over again? I mean, was that a cause? You ever looked in someone's eyes that has no cause where maybe you're out to dinner and you look over at somebody and you look in their eyes and they're, they're not even really talking because there's nothing to talk about. There's no substance. Just, you can hear the knife and the fork. You ever done that? Now, you should be enjoying your company. But, you know, like I said, I observe a few things. But there's a cause. And what are you fighting for? A better parking spot? Or to be appreciated more at work? Or a promotion? Or more possessions? Or more square foot in your house? What's your fight? Look at John 18. John 18, verse 33. You see this passage. And we're going to talk about the cross today. We're going to, we're going to look at all four Gospels. Because no one Gospel writer gives us everything that was said on the cross. But all four give us... Pieces. So we're going to put the pieces together today. In John 18, verse 33. Pilate, or we'll start in verse 36. Pilate, oh, we'll go to 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? John 18, 34. Is that your own idea? Pilate replied, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. Let me repeat that. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If we call ourselves Christians, disciple, follower of Jesus... And he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Then what should come out of our mouth and more importantly be displayed by our lives 
is when people look at us and they look into our eyes, they would sense strongly, not uh, strongly, hey, that guy's kingdom is not of this world. That woman's kingdom is not of this world. He says, if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. What a powerful passage. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. What did he say? My kingdom is not of this world. And if we're on the side of the truth, because there's two sides. The, the side of the truth, which is God's side and everything else. Satan's side. And we're engaged in an incredible battle. We may not feel it because our streets are calm, relatively speaking. We're not at war. We're not, it's not what's happening right now around the Middle East where there's tanks going down the streets and people are, you know, protecting their neighborhoods and using homemade weapons and you'd feel the battle differently if that's how we, you were living. That's not how we're living. We kind of live a nice life. But we're at war. We're at, in a battle. And if we don't think, we don't feel any kind of battle, that's even a larger problem. We need to fight for the kingdom that is not of this world. Jamie, it's not turning. It's on. We need to fight for the kingdom that's not of this world. Remember this one? Rocky IV. I know that's the music, you know, over... Remember this one? What was his name again? I know the actor's name, but what was his name in the movie? Drago. I'm going to get you. I mean, remember that movie? I mean, just, we loved Rocky. But our fight's bigger than Rocky and Drago. It's bigger. It's intense. In fact, in Jesus' day and in Paul's day, when they fought, boxed, they didn't have the big red fluffy gloves. They wore little small gloves with lead in the gloves. I mean, that's some boxing. You know what I'm saying? And we're in a fight. We're in a battle. And we need to fight for the kingdom that's not of this world. Jamie, it's not working, unfortunately. That's kind of frustrating. But, you know, we're known by what we fight for. And here's what I want you to to take home today. Fight for the kingdom. That's not of this world. We've got all kinds of fights, frustrations. But, but fight for the kingdom that's not of this world. Make that your fight, like the real fight. Amen? And we're known by what we fight for. And we often see what's important to someone by what they fight for. You know, we can learn a lot about what people communicate about their priorities by what they communicate at the end of their life. And that's what we see as Jesus is hanging on the cross. We see a lot about, even though he was physically and emotionally weak, he was engaged in battle. Look at Mark 15. We're going to jump around the Gospels. Start here in Mark. Look at John 15. Jesus uttered seven sentences on the cross. We're going to look at them briefly. We're going to get in there. And let's look at what Jesus fought for. So he was fighting for a kingdom that was not of this world before he went to the cross. But there he is. Beaten. You guys remember how many saw the Passion of the Christ? Anyone see that? Remember the flogging? He was flogged. 
He had carried the 110 pound patibulum, that cross, all the way up the, you know, up to the point of, of Golgotha to be crucified. He had the nails put through his wrists. A big nail here and a big nail here and then a big nail with one foot over the other and then a nail through the two bones or, you know, the middle of the foot right there. One big nail. And he's hanging there, barely alive. Just at the end. And yet you see a picture of a fight that even though he was so weak and so defenseless in a sense, he was so in control. He was so in the fight. Look at some of the things he fought. Mark 15, 33, at the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land and until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, let's get practical right here. How can we fight for the kingdom that's not of this world? Number one, here's practically what you can do. Because you've got to have a fight. And you've got to ask yourself, what's my fight? Fight your emotions. Fight your emotions. Jesus was hanging on the cross and it was so intense that he's like, God, where are you? You know, I learned that uh, we're doing a study in our midweek service called 10, out of a book called 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. And one of the things the writer talks about, he quotes back to the Puritan days, to where the Puritans called this period God desertions, where you felt like God had deserted you. He didn't desert you. He was just working on you. But it felt like he deserted you. You ever been there? Kind of like when the sun goes behind the cloud, it goes from, on a cold day, it goes from, ah, oh, you know, just, what, what happened? The sun didn't go anywhere. A cloud just moved in front of it. And it's the same thing. God allows us to go through times where he goes, I'm going to hold. I'm not going to answer the prayer right here. I'm going to do it a different way. I'm going to, you know, and he, and he waits. That was one of those times. And he fought his emotions. You know, when do you get challenged with your emotions? When I'm tired, like really tired, I really have a hard time being nice. How about you? And if it's somebody I'm really close to and I really love, I have even a harder time. Because I feel like I could be myself. You know what I mean? And that's probably where I can sin the most. I have a hard time fighting my emotions when I'm discouraged. How about you? Especially if it's like a God desertion. It's a period of discouragement. I have a really hard time fighting my emotions. I have a hard time fighting my emotions when somebody I tried to help is now treating me rudely. And then talking behind my back. Does that ever happen to anybody? And there's a part of me that's like, alright, you want some of this? Fine. Last time I helped you, you know, I mean, just in my sinful heart, I can feel all emotional and get, I can get heated. I can kind of ignite in the wrong way. Do you know what I'm saying? And um, it's challenging. Unanswered prayers for a long period of time. I'll never forget, I was uh, leading the church, a group there in San Diego, and it was going really bad, uh, so bad, I mean, just frustrating. And uh, one of my lower moments... And uh, God was trying to deepen me and mature me. And, and I remember just feeling as we're in staff meetings and someone's sharing good news, how God's working in their ministry, man, everybody's looking at me, real, sh- realizing that I have nothing to share that's good. 
Not a person I bet was even noticing. But in my mind, I know everyone's looking. Here he goes again. And then, and then as I'm hearing people share how God's moving, I'm like, great for you. Be nice if you got a little love over this way. Woo. Yeah, I'm just like, here I am in good news sitting, you know, just, well, that'd be great if I had a tidbit, just a crumb, a morsel, a little niblet would be fine, God. You know, just kind of growing in my bitterness, growing in resentment. Whoopie-doo for you. The Holy Spirit's left this section of the church because I'm here, you know. And I'll never forget, I, I left one staff meeting. I was so discouraged over a period of weeks, months. I said, Steve, guy that was training me at the time, can I talk to you? He said, sure, what is it? And we're walking along. Um, I, I think the Holy Spirit left me. He stopped. What? And I'm serious. I mean, and, he, you know, kind of, <laughs> and I'm like, Steve, I'm serious. Nothing I do works. It's not, this is just not, this is frustrating. I'm not, he goes, bro, Holy Spirit didn't leave you. Calm down. Relax. It's fine. And, uh, so I, all right, went back to work. And then just a short time later, I don't remember the exact time, if it was that week or the next week, I get a phone call saying, hey, we want you and Michelle to go lead the Tucson church. So there I am sitting in the lead evangelist living room, and I said, you want me to go lead that church? Do you remember how I'm the guy with no courage, no faith right now? Like, I'm in the the funk? You sure you want me? Yeah, I want you. You know, I was just, what? And I remember having to make a decision. All right. Put the past in the past. Here we go. From the time we get on that plane and from the time we set our heel on the ground, we're going to be faithful. Now, I didn't feel faithful, but I decided I'm going to be faithful. And God blessed it in such a way that it was one of the most fruitful, exciting, high watermarks in just our marriage, ministry, church life. It was just, it was magical. It was just amazing what God did. But I had to decide to fight my emotions. How about you? Too many of us give into our emotions. Way too many. Luke 23. Let's turn over there. 34. Here's Jesus hanging on the cross. This is probably one of the most challenging ones. Fighting retaliation. Let's get practical. How are you going to fight for the kingdom that's not of this world? Let's imitate Jesus on the cross. He fought his emotions. We need to fight our emotions. He fought retaliation. We've got to fight retaliation. Luke, did it say 25? Sorry about that. It's 23. Forgive me. In Luke 23, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, and they're, they're dividing, up low, cl- dividing up his clothes by casting lots, like a circus freak, looking for a souvenir. Jesus said, Father, we know this statement. It's probably quoted by everybody around the world. Even people that aren't Christians quote, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And then they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. Luke 23, 35. And even the rulers sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. We've got to fight retaliation. This is impossible without the Holy Spirit. This is impossible without God's help. Can't do it. 
You can't do it. You can try to will yourself into it, but you can't do it. You know, when I want to retaliate is when I get ripped off. That's one of my triggers. You have yours, I have mine. I've had to call Henry a few times from some contractor, I don't want to say friends, contractors that have done little jobs around my house. I said, wait a second, you're charging me what? How'd that change? Well, I brought my buddy. I didn't tell you to bring your buddy. Well, if I wouldn't have brought my buddy, it would have been double the time and double the money. You didn't say that. I mean, I, I don't know how many times, and I, no, nothing against all you great contractors in the room. These are the shady ones. They've come to my house. You guys know what I'm talking about? But when I get ripped off sometimes, it's like I get demanding. Well, no, 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 no. I may be short, but man, we, we're just warming up now. You know, I can get all frothy. Or when somebody is uh, talking bad about me or I'm trying to help them and they misunderstand what I say and then they start ramping it up and then I can... Why? I was just trying to help. Do you know how many times I've met... Listen to me. You know, and I can just kind of retaliate. Start demanding my rights. Or if I get really poor customer service multiple times in a row, I can get prideful and... Hey, listen here. Um, I, <clears throat> hi. Um, excuse me. You know, and get condescending. Is there someone else that works here that I could talk to that's not you? <laughs> and then I can talk louder like, they, like that's going to help understand. I told you, you know, and I can just get retaliatory. How about you? What makes you want to retaliate? I'm going to show you a video here, a two-minute, two-and-a-half-minute news clip I saw last week. And I just want to preface this. Um, this. You know, I can't imagine going through that. But I know that retaliation and revenge and hatred and not forgiving is almost the worst sentence. Um, the poison that goes inside of you when you're a retaliatory person and you hold those grudges, that bitterness... I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's not understandable. I'm just saying, I think what Jesus went through on the cross was horrific. We're a little numb to it because we've heard it so many times in so many ways. But it was horrific. I mean, imagine yourself hanging on the cross as people are mocking you. Come on! You saved others! Just save yourself! Son of God! Come on! Come down from the cross. We'll believe in you. You know, taking his clothes and rolling dice. Oh, I got it, I got it. I mean, just imagine him realizing, I can end this without even snapping the finger, just right now. We've got to fight retaliation. It's devastating. Amen? Here's another practical. You see, even amongst all this pain, one of the criminals, Luke 23, 39, who hung there hurled insults. Adam, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you under the same sentence? We are punished justly for what we are getting, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, we've got to fight for souls. This is kind of a lost art in our church. Let me just say it. 
For many of you, this doesn't even enter your radar. You acknowledge it, like, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. But fight for souls? Someone fought for my soul. And because they fought for my soul, my mom became a disciple in her 50s. And has been, she's now 76. My, my uh, sister became a disciple. My brother became a disciple. My sister's nephew just became a disciple 20 years later. Uh, people that I've worked with, people that I've lived by, people that I've been... I mean, just... Do you know what I'm saying? Because somebody fought for my soul. Here's Jesus hanging on the cross. One of the robbers starts mocking Jesus. The other robber does a sermon right there and goes, Hey, come on. This guy's done nothing wrong. Don't you fear God? We're, we're getting what our deeds deserve. This guy's done nothing. Leave him alone. Hey, rabbi, teacher, can you remember me today in paradise? He had just enough faith. He goes, Hey, I'll remember you. Jesus cared about souls even there on the cross. Appreciate my, my partner Elias there. I don't know where Elias went. There, I don't know where he's running. Where'd he go? Oh, he's there. He's in the back. He's hiding in the back. Just a humble man that he is. You know, Elias is just such a great partner fighting for souls in the singles ministry. Appreciate I love working with you, Elias. Appreciate Kike. So evangelistic. The Johnsons. Really call me higher and all of us higher. But there's got to be more than a handful of people. Even when I thought of this illustration, I thought, okay, who fights for souls? And I had a hard time thinking. Because there's not a lot of us that fight for souls. You don't think Satan's fighting for souls? We've got to fight for souls. Jesus, even in his weakest moment, fought for souls. Look at this passage. Move over to Mark 15. This is kind of an obscure verse, but it's kind of cool. In Mark 15, verse 23, Jesus you know, was on the cross. He said, I thirst. One of the seven sentences was, I'm thirsty. So they took a... It says here in Mark 15, Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Myrrh was a fragrant offering. It was also for medicinal purposes. And myrrh was really bitter. It was a resin from a tree. Mixed with wine would kind of numb you out. And when he was really thirsty, he asked, Hey, I, I thirst. So they give him this on a stick. And when he tastes the myrrh, he just closed his mouth. I don't want to go through this deadened. I want clarity, no shortcuts. He wasn't a masochist. He just realized, I'm doing this with my mind. And I think too often we've, are, we're always tempted to take shortcuts, but we need to fight taking shortcuts. Where's the myrrh? I want to numb out. I want an easier way. There is not an easy way in a fight. That's why it's called a fight. We've got to fight taking shortcuts. And I appreciate all the teens that fight with the peer pressure they face in high school. You remember high school? Pretty intense. May, it may, looking back, it may go, ah, what's the big deal? No, at that time in your life, it was huge, magnified, the pressure. I appreciate all the, what I would call the WM, it's going to come to me here, VMWs in the room, veterans of many wars in this church. Many of you have fought so many battles and not taken the shortcut. You've refused to give in to bitterness. You've refused to be victimized. I'm not going to be a victim. You refuse to quit. Veterans of many wars. You know the VFW? We've got the VMW in the room. I appreciate that. Let's continue 
to fight and not take shortcuts. In John 19, verse 25, flip over there. We're just winding things down. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. We've got to fight. Here's another practical for you. Pick one. Fight for the needs of others. Here's Jesus hanging on the cross. He sees his mom down there. And he just, with the last bit of energy he has, he mumbles out these words. John. John. And he looks, uses his eyes. Because he can't point. He can't move very well. Take care of mom. John. This is your mom. Now, Mom. Looks her in the eye. I mean, can you imagine that? Mom, it's your son now. You're going to be okay. Just so powerful that at his weakest moment, he was still fighting for the needs of others. I appreciate the Brittos right there in the back. Some of the greatest silent servants. You say, why are they silent? Because they're just always helping somebody do something and they're not up front. You don't hear them talking about it. You don't, they're not glory. They're just... And, and Caesar moves fast. If he's going to serve, I mean, he's in. Where'd he go? He's off to the next duty like a superhero. He's off to serve someone else. But I appreciate you guys. He's like, nah, he's sliding under the pew. Don't go out till the sermon's done to your next uh, great deed right there. But we've got to fight for the needs of others. Amen? And then finally, we've got to fight to the finish. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. John 19, verse 30. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Another version or another parallel gospel says, Luke 23, verse 44. About sixth hour to the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. And until the ninth hour, the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn into two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then right after that he said, it is finished. What are your last words going to be if you get some? I mean, Jesus lived what he said last. Father, into your hands, I decide, I commit my spirit. I've given you my spirit while I was physically alive. Now I'm coming back. Here you go. And that's how we need to live. We've got to fight to the finish. Amen? Let's... As we close here today, let's fight for the kingdom that is not of this world. Let's imitate Jesus. Amen? He was a fighter. Let's be inspired by, even at the end of his life, we can go through the Gospels and find all kinds of fight, but even at the end of the life, in those last six hours, we saw his priorities, we saw what was important to him, we saw that what he said to Pilate was true. My kingdom's not of this world. I fight for another world. And let's fight for the kingdom that's not of this world. Thank you.